You're very welcome to the Irishman Running Abroad 2023 Dublin Marathon Special. What a day, what an experience, no matter how it went for you, what time you ran, how much money you raised for whichever charity, whether you PB'd or you walked the last mile, getting through this race in those conditions is something to be very, very proud of. Today on the podcast, we'll look back on the day, the pre-race jitters, the roar of this incredible Dublin crowd, the in-race crisis, the post-race high. It's all here. The Irish Life Dublin City Marathon 2023. It absolutely took every shred of motivation to complete this thing, but it's done. Let's go. Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angles that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. Sonia O'Sullivan joins me stateside where she spent the weekend sunning herself up in Seattle. Great to have you here as always, Sonia. Uh, While we were all drowned rats in Dublin, all I was getting from you all weekend were WhatsApp photos of the most tranquil, beautiful settings. Where are you right now? Um, Oh, I'm back in Portland. (laughs) <laughs> I've left, it's only a weekend expedition, exhibition or petition or whatever it is um, <laughs> blue skies and blue sea it was oh my gosh I'd never seen it so blue but you know when it's like that you have to just get out and do things so mm. it was amazing I went to Seattle to well close to Seattle this place called Tacoma near where the airport is to so we had a cross country race the Pac-12 uh, which is their conference and it's the final pack 12 because they're about to split up next year. And um, it was all very exciting as um, her team, University of Washington, uh, took the win, which was a surprise for everybody. <laughs> Brilliant. They, it was one of those things where you always talk about a cross-country team and, you know, to get the best result, everybody has to run well on the day or they have to give their best effort. And that's exactly what happened. You know, there mm. was nobody won the race or you know they didn't even get on the podium but they all ran the best race to the point where you know they were just hanging on at the end and barely made it through so it was it was a fun race to be at and very exciting when they announced the winner of the team Ah, beautiful i saw the excitement and uh, you know clinging on is something that anybody who ran dublin on sunday will know a thing or two about I saw all sorts of posts and Strava uh, stories about it uh, but everybody had their battle uh, the conditions Sophie were, was running in were ideal and I even saw mention online that there's talk of making cross-country part of the Olympics because it's such it's such a different discipline isn't it in, in many ways it's the same thing in other ways but this thing on Sunday in Dublin Sonia was uh, very challenging situation what's the most challenging weather conditions you've ever had to run in um probably when i ran the dublin marathon way back in 2000 it really? wasn't it wasn't ideal back then now it wasn't very windy i don't think it was just cold and raining um but i suppose in a way this we didn't really talk too much about the rain did we no um the preparations at all no um, i was kind of surprised when i saw there was so much rain in dublin on the weekend and was it mostly the rain or was it quite windy as well 
No, no real wind to speak of. Uh, it was just torrential rain at a certain point. And we'll go through the race together uh, in a moment. But uh, it, it really was just one of those days where the rain kind of makes the hills feel steeper. Uh, because certainly for the start of this thing, as expected, uh, everything was going bright and breezy. Uh, but we'll get to that in a moment because the whole thing, of course, the whole Dublin marathon or any marathon experience begins at the expo. And I went down to the RDS. The first thing I did uh, was get down there, get my number, get myself registered and just start soaking up some of the buzz. And I bumped into uh, one listener, Maeve, who was running the race with somebody very, very special. I'm here at the expo with Maeve. Just bumped into her. Maeve wants to give a big shout out to somebody who's running this. Helen, is it? Yeah, my friend Helen is doing her first marathon since 2018. Helen is really inspirational. She's got cystic fibrosis, but it doesn't define her. She is absolutely amazing. She was in hospital for most of September training on the treadmill and uh, was determined to get to the start line. She came to Chicago with me to support me three weeks ago and um, she will be lining up tomorrow morning and she's amazing. So just give her a shout out. Wow, I can't wait to meet Helen. Good luck. There's so many stories like that in the marathon that... I think going to the expo and reading the wall and seeing who's running it for who, it, it just you're missing out if you skip out on the expo. Because it's not just about people, you know, shilling their wares. There's all of these emotions and stories that are behind this gang of runners. And just getting to meet loads of listeners and people saying that you, Sonia and Vinny have, you know, made their marathon possible was an incredible boost for the confidence at that moment. We don't always get the deep stories until afterwards. Um, You know, that's most people just train along, do their job, run the race. And then somehow if they bump into someone and someone gets the story out of them, then Mm. we all hear about it. And I suppose by being at the expo, people are more open to talk, aren't they? Because they're all just looking for those extra little nuggets of information right before the start. And um, But it is amazing, you know, the amount of people who run and for so many different reasons that, you know, it's there's just so many different marathons happening on the same day. You know, you have yeah. the elite runners up at the front and they were flying along. Then you have... The Irish runners who always seem to capture the imagination as well, like Steve Scullion, by all accounts, had a great race and, you know, managed to get himself from, I don't know, sixth or seventh place up to third place over the last two kilometers and um, with a huge effort. Um, Anne-Marie McGlynn winning the women's race in, I think, a pretty good time. 2.34 for those conditions is not bad at all. You know, there's always the high end stories like that. Then you have the club runners, then you have all the different groups of people who travel up there for the day. Yeah. And there's always someone in there who has that inspirational story that gets everybody, I suppose, motivated. And when it gets tough and it gets difficult, they're the people that people remember and they kind of think, well, I'm not the only one out here. All Mm. these other people are out here too for all these different reasons and causes that make them keep going and you know they're going to get to the finish line no matter what yeah and so much sadness and turmoil in the world at the moment it is a reminder definitely being down at that expo exactly how much hope 
goodwill and cash for charities that this thing generates. So I left with a spring in my step, uh, joined some of the Irishman Running Abroad WhatsApp group. That's right. You can join the WhatsApp group. Email me, irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. Become part of the gang. A bunch of us went to Luigi Malone's. Shout out to Laura Hobbins Langan, Cormac, Ashling, Ilo, Seamus, Jack, Andy, Finton, Jan, Wes, Denise, uh, Ralph, uh, the two Paddies, Elaine de Corsi, of course, was there, and loads more. Uh, now, Luigi Malone's lovely restaurant, Sonia, but I was ringing in my ears. You were like, forks down at seven, <laughs> was what you had said to us. Uh, and I was starting to panic at eight o'clock when there was a no sign of pizzas. And what I was like, you, you guys need to get pizzas out here. I said to one of the waiters, I was like, forget about serving everybody at once. Just put some pizzas down. We'll share them. I'd completely forgotten, of course, that the clocks went back. So everybody got uh, an extra hour of sleep. I'm not sure how much sleep was done. Always a bit of tossing, uh, tossing and turning before these things. Were you a good sleeper before big events, Sonia? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I could definitely, once I fall asleep, I'm great. But it's always that getting to sleep can mm. be very, very difficult. But I was definitely somebody who I didn't worry too much about it if I didn't sleep very well the night before a race. Because I always believed that it wasn't just the night before, but the nights before. Yeah. That, you know, you had to have a, a series of good nights sleep. And, you know, you kind of nearly planned it out and expected that you were going to have one bad night's sleep in there somewhere. You'd get the average over time was what mattered rather than one big sleep two nights before, which is probably the beginning of my story with this race that I have, of course, been on tour with the Your Man stand up show pumping out the podcast three podcasts a week on the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network writing for the Sunday Business Post trying to get my son settled into secondary school and a phenomenal amount of travelling if I'm really honest with you Sonia like an awful lot of travelling we had Ulster Hall on Thursday night last week with Ross Common on Friday night and I think I came into that night a little bit panicky around sleep like I was actually aware you know when you know haven't done a proper night's sleep or even just a day where I didn't do anything. I was just at it, at work all the time. Well, you had things, you had to kind of get a hyper every week, didn't you? So then you had to come down off of that each night. So twice last week in the latter stages of the week, you were on a high and then you had to come down off of that to get sleep. And that's, you know, that's what you normally expect after a race. Mm. But Obviously, your job is similar to a race. Yeah. Um, you get the nerves, the adrenaline, mm-hmm. you know, all the stuff that goes with it. Yep. Um, You're on your feet for an hour and a half. Like you are yes. standing and pacing and running around <laughs> the stage. Like it's not it's running like a, a marathon. <laughs> but yeah, it is not running a marathon. But you're right. There are similarities because there's a, even when you're confident at stand up comedy, you you need to build up a certain amount of performance anxiety to give it your best. I'm sure you're the same way with a race. You're not nervous about a race, but you need to be at the edge of your on 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 your wits. Have your wits about you. Yeah, you definitely have to, you know, you get to a point where it could go either way because it means so much to you that, you know, you're a little bit on edge. And, you know, that's the stuff that wears you down, mm. I think. Oh, and I suppose because... You know, we see that running is a physical activity. You see that as more of something that wears you down. Mm. But in a way, you know, it's all the other things that can add up and 
you don't really count them, you yeah. know, along. So you're tapering the running, but you're not really tapering the work and the, um, <laughs> the, the weekly adrenaline bursts that you're getting. So I guess I was a little bit anxious as I headed down there in the morning with Tina and Mikey. So, so we're just rolling up here to Marion Square now. Tina and Mikey in the Dublin Marathon hats and the first drop of rain of the day, guys. Yeah. How does that make you feel as spectators? Grand. Drop is quite the understatement, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a bit, it was a bit worrying, but it wasn't forecast either. Yeah. Um, but then the forecast was for it to be absolutely brutal out here today. There's just a breath of wind, you know. Well, this is the goodbye spot, lads. You realise that? This is the load in. But Tina, you look like you're so nervous. Uh, you look as if you're about to run it yourself. Yeah. She's exhaling her vent, hyperventilating. My tummy is a bit tight. I know you'll be fine. I just I've seen too much end line. <laughs> I have a lot of faith in you. I have uh, entire faith. I have no worries whatsoever. Oh, that's that's what I need to hear. That's the Vinnie Mulvey spirit coming out in Mikey. He's he's overheard too many Vinnie Mulvey phone calls. Going, you'd be grand. I think you're going to Strola. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. I, I just hope you guys have a good time. We're gonna have a great time. Sure, we love Dublin. Yeah. Well, look. Thank you for everything, guys. I really appreciate it. Okay. Good luck, Jar. True. So. As you'll hear now, I'm just strolling down to the Pepper Canister Church, having dropped my bag off and making the fatal error of not putting my phone in the bag, <laughs> which we'll tell a whole another story later on. A little bit of foreshadowing for the chaos that would ensue after the race. Bumping into listeners left, right and centre. have to say I've never felt... Uh, that the love of the podcast listeners so much than at this event would have been great if you were there. First person I bumped into was Brian from Hoth. Here we're literally about to join our lineup. I can see balloons. I can feel a little bit of tension creeping in and I bumped into a listener, Brian. Where are you from, Brian? Uh, from Hoth. Hoth, right. Yeah, so uh, this is my third marathon. Both previous were 405 and I thought this was the year for about 350, 345, but this year... If I finish, I don't really care. Just looking forward to getting out and having a good run. You're so calm. You really have the air of a man who's about to have a fun run here. Yeah, look, it's, the first half will be fun no matter what, and then yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, work away. Well, Brian, great to meet you, and best of luck. All right, thank you. Good luck. And then, of course, uh, Rojo, Ronan Johns, right there towing the line beside me. Did not expect to bump into him, but there he was. Rojo. I never thought I'd bump into you here, to be totally honest. How are you folks? I saw your head above everyone else's from a mile away. Like a beacon. I remember last year so vividly yourself and Ashling and the um, documentary that you put together and sent to me. It was it was magic. Uh, last, this is a different experience. This, yeah, last last year was amazing. Like we didn't do any training and we were very conscious everyone did do the training. Your run with Ashley last year was one of the reasons I'm doing this. Oh, that's, amazing, that's, that. that's amazing to hear, Jar. Like, the two of you just seemed to have the time of your life. We did. I'm like, it was a completely different experience last year because we didn't do an awful lot of training. We just kind of went out and had a day of it. So, like, we were taking chill out breaks with our friends, the family, breaks. photos. Nobody thinks you're allowed to do that. Yeah, but like, it's your marathon, so you can do whatever you want. And at the end of the day, no one really gives a shite. What time you did? So I bumped into a guy on the way down here, and I said to him, "If you turned around to any member of your family who isn't interested in athletics or marathons, and said, did you hear 
that Elliot Kipchoge broke four hours for the marathon. They'd go, holy Whoa. shit. <laughs> Mind though. It puts it in context, right? Totally you tell does. anybody any number afterwards, they wouldn't You know. can lie. They're not going to check anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and yet we're here, and we're all going to try and get each other through it. Yeah, that's it now. We're going to be fine, Mojo. I can't wait to talk to you at the line. Good luck, man. Thanks for looking. Nice to look. Enjoy it. See you at the other side. <laughs> You know, this is the bit I sent you a photo of you on the start line in Dublin. You said, well, who are these dudes standing next to me? Uh, (laughs) They really are just random guys, right? Yeah, I think I should post it up. I kind of, I suppose I got distracted on the weekend not to do it, but I I might do it today and just see if anyone, you know, it's like, who who are these? Where are they now? (laughs) Yeah, where are they now? Because you really, as you can hear here, is the steps of people bouncing along. There's a fair bit of jostling, especially when you start in a wave behind where you probably should be. I was right at the four-hour balloon. So the priority past Christchurch was to get ahead of the four-hour balloon and lock into this five-minute pace that Vinny had assigned me. And quite honestly, Sonia, I knew the the first 10K was going to feel kind of joyous and springy, but I wasn't prepared for exactly how easy it felt like it really did feel like a training run i i felt like i was jogging along and there's a certain amount of anxiety that kicks in with that right a little bit yeah you're kind of thinking this feels way too easy you keep checking your watch is a watch right yeah. is this actually uh, accurate um but it was amazing i was looking at your splits and you were very even for a long way mm, yeah well right up through there i mean has to be said right out the gate the Dublin crowds have to be given special mention here and they will again become important later in uh, the show because like I was this is what got me here you know being part of that crowd and understanding they understand their role in this <laughs> like I really feel it off them when you're out there that they're like we're gonna help these people do this <laughs> and that's what's wonderful about it and that's i think what makes people come back and back again you have people jumping up and down on the sideline uh, along the keys like we're literally only three kilometers into this thing and there are people so amped up <laughs> that they're they're spinning their arms around trying to get you to go- keep going and of course at this point nobody has any trouble uh, going in through the gate of Phoenix Park and along some of the route that we did the the runs with the meetup runs that were so important to this shout out to everybody that met us on those and you can hear it in my voice here through the first 10k in 50 minutes flat I think 49.48 was what I went through the first 10k in we're aiming for 25 minutes per 10k as you said last week keep an eye on the 10k rather than the 1k or the 5 uh, there was disbelief like I, I was I was rubbing my eyes looking at the watch going because this was just so easy and if, if you know this course it's actually up uphill it's um, a lot gate 10k we are bang on pace I cannot fucking believe it um, 
do, I don't know how do how does a person avoid panic in that situation? Like, what would you be thinking in that situation? Just just hold steady. Well, yeah, I can remember when I did run in 2015, feeling the exact same way, feeling really easy, and but going probably a little bit faster than I had planned to go. And mm. I just kept thinking, okay, well, as long as your breathing is relaxed and you're calm, then it's not that hard. You mm. can keep going. Yeah. And so I was just kind of really just tuning into how I was feeling all the time. And if you, if I was staying relaxed, 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 which I think I did all the way up until probably around 35 to 37K, then, you know, I mean, but then you have to realize, well, you expect that it's going to get hard at that point. Yeah, that is, that, yeah, exactly. That's in your head, isn't it? Yeah. So I think once you get yourself up over 30k, you know, in a relaxed state, then that's where the race begins. And they always say the race doesn't begin until, you know, six miles to go. And that's, you know, mentally and physically, that's where, you know, you're going to find out, you know, where you're at and what you're capable of. I love the singlet. Good. Are you you actually Jared, is it? That's me, yeah. Oh, man. How are you getting on? Really enjoyed it. I love what you did in London when you were doing the recording it all the way around. Well, you're on it right now. Oh, fuck it. What's your name? Uh, Dio Driscoll, Clark. Good man. Good luck, good luck with the rest of it. Same to you. Oh, it's amazing, Sonia, after that little incident, what a lovely moment with that listener, was that a water station appears and I am literally shoved out of the way at a water station, like, like full <laughs> on... <laughs> I know. I literally uh, like you. You see sometimes that these the elites knocking over each other's bottles. It's <laughs> happened. This was. I had to get down on all fours to pick up my bottle because somebody pushed me to the ground. I did right, not you- see this coming, but uh, you know it's part of the madness. Out the gate to Castle Knock, and as you know, Sonia, the crowds up there uh, again just spectacular just the energy um, and you think to yourself Jesus if these lads are going to be here the whole way around we're just going to be dancing the whole thing uh, but of course they're not there's a big long steep downhill there out of Castle Knock which everybody's trying to uh, avoid uh, losing the run of themselves but it actually starts to feel quite calm doesn't it you, you start to get out on your own You're, it's a bit more leafy uh, do you have memories of going down that hill towards uh, to re-enter the park again? Yeah, that was, I remember that was one of my favourite spots. It was kind of, it brought you back to where you'd be doing training runs by yourself nearly. Mm. You were just running in the trees and it's a kind of an area where people can't really get to. Yes. It's hard to get there, it's hard for them to get away from there. Yeah. So they just avoid it. And it, it is nice to have that kind of calmness. It's like you enter a tunnel of the trees and you have the time to yourself to kind of reassess and kind of get yourself back together again after the excitement of coming out the park gate. 100%. And then you're faced with uh, your first real hill of the day. And anybody listening to this will know uh, that that first hill out of Chapel Lizard, I probably had it marked in my head, right? That's where we'll know if the tank is full, if, if you're ready for this. If you lean into it a bit, somebody gave me an IRA cheer going up the hill. Shout out to him. Uh, I I made mince meat of it. Absolutely, like I was so chuffed with myself because I'd watched the videos enough, and I went up this hill and didn't didn't feel that hard. 
Fuck you, Hill. You suddenly find yourself in Rialto. And you're going, we're nearly at the halfway point. Like, honestly, my head is spinning at this point. (laughs) Who do I see in the distance? Finney Mulvey in the puffy jacket. (laughs) Jogging alongside me. Feeling great, Finny. Yeah. Thanks, Because I was feeling so strong at that point, Sonia. Um, that is, I bumped into Jake O'Regan, winner of the Cove 10, uh, at the hotel the next morning. He only ran to there and said he had a wonderful time. <laughs> said he just ran the first half of it. It hadn't even started raining, I said to him. <laughs> he really got the best bit of this. Uh, you've had marathons, surely, where you've been like, oh, if only it ended at 21. <laughs> Have oh, you yeah. had that experience? Oh, I definitely had that experience when I ran in New York when it was one of those where I kind of ran on a whim again. And, um, you know, it was a last minute entry and you, I definitely got to the point and it was Sneaky like, time. why did you decide to do this again? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, you question every possible reason why you might have this done this it. race. Yeah. And, um, and it is always around that kind of 18 mile mark. Mm. And um, probably even had that same thought across my mind in the, in the first time I ran in Dublin. Um, I can remember thinking, oh yeah, it's it's not as easy as I thought. <laughs> it's yeah. getting there. <laughs> well, I, I got totally taken by surprise by the drag up through Crumlin. And I doubt that I'm the only person uh, listening to this right now who got a bit of a shock going up there. Do you remember the drag I'm talking about? It's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's just sneaky enough for you to go right I've just run half a marathon and now this is an ask and the rain is starting to come down <laughs> it's really starting to fall do you remember yeah. that drag I think that's the one where you feel that the rain is making the hill mm-hmm. longer or steeper you can kind of see the shine on the road from a long way off yep I think it's kind of your you can see it before you get to it you could see the people in front of you rise up. So you're you're probably having a little bit of, you know, anticipation fear as well. And you're kind of preparing yourself for it. It's a bit like when you're driving and you see the red lights in front of you start to kind of, you know, sense that there's a bit of traffic coming here. I'm going to have to put the brakes on. And you're kind of hoping it doesn't come as quick as it does. Yeah, not, yeah. No, that's really well put. Uh, and certainly your advice and Vinny's advice was ringing in my ears. I even talked to David Gillick at the Expo about this very moment. This is the moment. This is what this is. You are you are now running a marathon and all those thoughts are in your head. So I tried the uh, Paula Radcliffe counting method. I tried to do the maths that you told me to do. I tried to do Vinny's lyrics thing. Anything to just take my body away from what I knew was going to be eight, eight to ten minutes that was going to feel hellish but it would pass that's what i had in my head it will pass but as you can hear in the next clip coming into temple oak i I say the immortal words feeling like shit (laughs) and well up to temple oak in deep shit now Uh. and really sonia the wheels didn't just come off they 
they disappeared into the distance. <laughs> I have yet to see those wheels again. I know that it's more compelling and more enjoyable for people to listen to a disaster, but this was the disaster. Like, this was tanking of the worst kind. This is, what am I doing here? Why did I do this? Why can't why can't I start the engine on the car? It's like a, you, you, your computer crashes, and when you press the power button, it makes a click noise rather than the badoom noise of uh, <laughs> of an apple. Ah, oh, I mean, I don't think I'll ever forget this feeling because you've gone from the high of I've just hugged my wife and son on the side of the road, and here here we are now, and it's. <laughs> there's nothing there's there's nothing so so what happens like why why do you think there was a shutdown well maybe we should work through how i got to the end and then we'll try and puzzle out backwards what what happened because in the moment i did think to myself now why is this happening exactly like you like you think to yourself well what how could this be uh but one thing was for sure that the the tank was empty. There wasn't like, oh, I've pulled a muscle or I've cramped up, although I was cramping up in <laughs> my calves were felt like sandbags. Uh, every step felt painful at that point. And obviously the rain isn't helping matters. And here's another thing, Sonia. <laughs> I'm sure you've had this. Uh, I up until this year, nobody knew really who who the feck I was. <laughs> now lots of people know who I am. So people are shouting, go on, Jarlath. One guy shouted at me in Temple Oak, tell us a joke. <laughs> when I was in misery, absolute hell. And I wrote a piece for the Sunday Business Post about how much we need the crowd to cheer us on. But to my shame, there were moments in this where I thought, I wish everybody would shut the fuck up. And let me have my misery. I can remember stuff like that happening. Even like if you'd be at training sometimes. I remember Nick being on the bike with me a few times and he'd say, come on, come on, you can go up. You need to pick up the pace a bit. And I'd be like, listen, it's easy for you on the bike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you just get in this headspace of like, I'm doing my best here. I can't go any harder. Mm. You know, I don't need this encouragement is not helping right now. <laughs> and I think that's the point where it's kind of hard to explain. Um, and I've been in that situation in races, in you know, in marathons and people will run along beside you and they go, Asher, this must feel easy for you. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's really quite hard, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> or if, I, if it was easy, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> I'll be up there. <laughs> He's taking a walk break here before Terenure because definitely it's not there today. This is a weird feeling because we're at 29.5k and I know it's not in the tank but I will finish. No doubt about it. I'm going to finish this thing. Oh, my God. According to my uh, Garmin, I walked for 11 minutes of this marathon. I mean, that really does tell a story because once you stop, once you put your hands on your knees, 
it's it, it is almost like your body goes, oh, we're done. And you now can't get your body to get back to the tick over that you were doing. I bumped into Steve Daly at this point. He informed me that the course record had been broken. I was like, I do not need to hear that in this moment. Was he running or he was on the sideline? He was on the sideline with his son. Uh, He offered me some gels. He had Mortine gels in his hands. (laughs) But he did the right thing. And I really am indebted to him because he just said, let's just get moving. Let's just not stop. Let's just keep moving no matter what we're doing. Just get moving. Now, Sonia, in London... (laughs) I was able to pick up the phone to you, pick up the phone to Vinny, give Tina a ring. But we had all decided that it was better that I don't have the phone with me. If ever I needed the phone, it was in this moment just to uh, call everybody and let them know I was okay. Because, of course, on the tracker, uh, it stops picking me up. And the spiral of worry that Vinny and Tina went into, it's not uh, it's not pretty. And again, I'm sure there's other people listening to this now going, yeah, I put my own family through the same ringer. (sighs) When you think to yourself and you're in that moment, that uh, there is a prospect that I won't finish this. I think it probably it probably doesn't come into your head until you know that this so-called heartbreak hill is the next thing you've got to climb to get out of this hole that you find yourself in. Uh, You obviously made mince meat of Heartbreak Hill and have said to me that it's not such a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) It just felt like it just went on and on and on and on. When I got it, like this Heartbreak Hill, it was Roebuck Hill, people know the area, uh, is the hill that I used to walk up and down every single day to visit Tina when we were first dating. And at no point... In that four-year period, had I ever seen a river of water flow down the hill. But we were running through it, Sonia. We were plodding through water (laughs) that just splashed everyone. It was just absurd. So even the the joy of Foster's Avenue and the, the flow down, it didn't even feel like that. I think I got to the top of Heartbreak Hill and just stood there for a moment. I, I mean, you only have one did not finish in your whole life. Is that correct? In the marathon? In, um, in, in any race? Um, no, I didn't finish a marathon as well in Berlin one time. Oh, OK. Brilliant. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm so yeah, happy brilliant. to hear this. <laughs> but I'm like, fantastic. I'm not alone. Yeah, but it, but it wasn't it wasn't out of mm. it was a decision I took. So I didn't get myself to a point where, you know, I happily walked off the course and, you know, was well, had no problem walking to the rigging underground and, Mm. you know, caught the underground back and it was a sunny day and... And what was the thought process? No, I mean, the thought process was, well, this isn't happening today, so... Just didn't feel like it was working? Yeah, it it wasn't working. Um, I had, at the time, I had this neuroma thing in my foot. So every step I took, there's a sharp pain goes right through your foot. And, you know, sometimes when I would do training runs, it would go away and I wouldn't, you know, you'd get, it might be there for a bit, but then it would go away. But this was like nonstop every step of the way. And I was like, no, I can't. I don't know how far I got. Maybe, maybe not even halfway. And I was like, no, this is too long. It's, it's a long ways to go with mm. this pain 
every step of the way. So, you know, it was just a decision I took on, you know, and it's hard to do that at the time because, you know, I had, um, there was an athlete with me at the time, Craig Mockram had came over and he was actually going to pace me. I was going to try and qualify for the Olympics in 2008. And so he was going to pace me. Nick was there. Kieran and Sophie were there. So, you know, something that could be a joyous occasion and a happy ending was not. And, you know, then you, by stepping off, you know that you've got to deal with all that negative, yeah. you know, how am I going to come out of this? And it's no fun for anybody when you have to make this decision. Um, but, you know, I mean, I definitely had points in the Boston Marathon in 2000. That was in 2008, so Berlin was 2007. Then I decided I was going to run Boston anyway for fun in 2008. And I did walk there a couple of times, maybe not quite 11 minutes. Um, but I walked a bit and I didn't have a Garmin to tell me how long I walked. <laughs> <laughs> but that, at that point, I was thinking, well, how else am I going to get to the finish line? You know, you kind of weigh up um, what's going on and you know, ultimately you have to get to the finish line. Yeah. Um, and if you consider all the options available to you, the best one is to run and to keep moving and to keep <laughs> moving forward or maybe even to walk and run. And you just have to somehow come up with a plan that keeps you moving forward. And you hope that, you know, there might come a point where I'll be able to move forward a little bit faster than I am right now. Goodness. I mean, everything you're saying is what went through my head. Like, quitting wasn't something I thought about doing. But I, I know a lot of people, again, listen to this, had that thought. That, you know, it's actually, I'm going to get more wet <laughs> walking than running. Um, Johnny from Dunboyne uh, Athletic Club uh, uh, was on the corner of Nutley Lane. And I don't know if he'd been tracking me on the tracker, but it was it was like the moment that Paul Tonkinson shared with us in his book, uh, 26.2 Miles to Happiness, where a man dressed as Jesus stood up on a fence and pointed at him and said, Paul Tonkinson, you can do this. <laughs> you have got this. <laughs> and it went in. Seeing Johnny's face on the corner in Nutley Lane, holding out Lucasade gels and what appeared to be a box of Jaffa cakes, I was like, we've only got two and a bit kilometres to go here. Surely you can do this. Surely, even in all this rain, it can be done. But I will tell you something, it was, it was a painful, maybe the most painful two kilometres of my life and I guess what's in your head is the challenge here is who am I? Am I someone who quits or am I someone who finishes regardless of the pain? And you know, whatever we walk away from crossing that line uh, with that incredible crowd who uh, by the end I was just begging for them to cheer even louder because I needed every bit of it I felt like if I was given the option at the start, having known what both things feel like, a PB or the knowledge that put in that situation, I won't quit, I probably would take the won't quit. Because PBs are going to come. They, they will come. 
but very rarely will you find yourself in a, a kind of like a wartime situation where you've got to take the bullets and keep ploughing forward. It's just a sense of relief and you're just glad you got there mm. because you you know, you kind of think of all the worst case scenarios that like you could be still out there standing on the road waiting for someone to pick you up and have to get a list back. Yeah. Yeah, but you actually got there on your own two feet, and that was probably the best option. And you know, we never really discussed this before. And you know, the the worst possible scenario, the worst case scenario, what do you do, and how do you rationalise that with yourself in your head? And you know, I think it's one of those things that it's very hard to discuss that stuff beforehand because you don't want to think that you might end up in that situation. Yeah. And you figure, well, when I do then I'll deal with it then. And that's exactly what you had to do. It's what I have done. It's what many people have done in the past is that you just call on all your resilience and determination and persistence and you realize that, you know, this is me in an ocean here and I got to get to the land. (laughs) How am I going to do it? You're in a desperate situation. I think, you know, what should I say? Desperate. Desperate times, desperate measures. when you just want to go to that kind of um, what is it like emergency or yeah yeah you go to some sort of well (laughs) that you didn't know you had Uh, you know what buoyed me up though Uh, having gone I went took a quick visit to the paramedics (laughs) (laughs) yeah just at what point at the end I was like we're offering you a tent with chairs and biscuits here (laughs) I was like I will take that tent but uh, I was in a mild panic that I wouldn't get my medal but when I emerged from that tent uh, to just be enveloped by all of the good feelings the you know the the true Dublin Marathon the, the, the joy that everyone is feeling to have made it was you know it just brought you back to what it what, a, what this was for. Thanks uh, a lot. Sure, well done. Sorry. Congratulations, good man yourself. So much. We did well it. done. What are you seeing? Are you seeing all the emotion here? I'm recording. What's Everything. your name? Mick. Mick, thank you so much for doling out these t-shirts. You're very, very welcome. You see it all sorts. A lot of tears. A lot of tears. A lot of emotions coming, yeah, tr- coming through here. This is a lovely yeah. job you get to do. Oh, it's, the, it's the best part of the day. Yeah. I was supposed to run it myself, but sure. Oh, hey. Next will, you, will you take a large, will you? I'd say you'd be a large. I'm an extra large, yeah. No, I'd say you'd be a large now. I'm going to go extra large. You go extra large, though. going to be a very little run and done for the next one. <laughs> Congratulations. Very well done. Thank you. Charlotte, you're here for selfie. How are you? I was waiting the whole way around to see you. And I'm chatting and cheering on. You're fantastic. I love your podcast. Thank you, God. What's your name? Sorry, I'm actually recording here. Michael? Michael Stafford. Michael Stafford. The vapor fly malfunction. I have not heard of that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was literally the heel. Every time the heel, I heel planted, it would slide from under me. Oh, my God. So a sub four, basically barefoot. On ice skates. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, man. man. Good to meet you. Cheers. I'm still recording here. I was talking to Brian before the race. You look fresh as a daisy. Look at you. Not as hard as last year's anyway, so yeah. happy out. Good on you. This man did it on ice skates. That's the next <laughs> challenge. The vapor fly malfunction. The things fell apart. Needs to get a pair of trees, right, Sonia? Yeah. Get yeah. Sonia to get you a pair of Alpha Fly trees. Go That's on. what everybody wants for get Christmas. Get them, Sonia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's your name? 
Eileen. McCarthy from Galway City Harriers. Galway City Harriers. Yeah, yeah. Did you come to the Town Hall Theatre when I was down there? No, but And we I don't. met the collar in girls? Well, I gave her a t-shirt yes, to give you. Yes, I yeah, have yeah, the singlet. Yeah, the singlet. No, yeah, I have to good. stay with my own club. Enjoy, enjoy the podcast. Thank you so much. Cheers, Virgo. Appreciate it. Had a blast. Had a blast. I ran a brilliant half. The other half. It's a experience, Exactly. Lovely to meet you and congratulations. The smiliest man in the Irish Man Abroad Running Club is here. It's Carl Fleming. Recording right now, Carl. How'd you go? Oh, that was the toughest race weather-wise I've ever, hey, ever done. But my God, uh, the crowds lifted it up and really kept us going, did. kept pushing us. Yeah, uh, not really a PB did. today, second best time for me today, which I'm very, very happy with because my target was 4.15 and I came under that. Well, Carl, so I'm really congratulations. Happy. I don't yeah. know how anyone even got close to a oh, PB today. Oh, God, yeah. Fair play to you. Yeah, it's great Absolutely. to see you. How great are you feeling? You. Uh, look, yeah. I learned a lot yeah. about myself today. I might see us for a, a exactly. pint in a while. Exactly, great. Yeah. Good Fair to see you. Oh, the walking wounded here, collecting their bags. But such a positive bunch of people and such a joy to be around this collection of runners has to be said if my voice sounds a bit weird it's because my ears always get blocked after running I don't know why this was one of those days no doubt about it I'm not going to cry you're going to cry <laughs> but that's that's running isn't it some days if you fist in the air another eight days it has its shoe up your butt <laughs> I guess when I look back on it I'll feel better about it but right now it feels like a disaster what can you do you sent the text to me that evening was this uh a never again moment or something less than that. <laughs> what did you think looking at the splits it was? Well, you know, I actually, it was the middle of the night for me, but it was one of those nights where I wasn't, I didn't sleep very well. So I woke up, I woke up a few every hour kind of, and I wouldn't normally check my phone because I knew there was a race on and people running that I was, I had different people I was following in the marathon. And so I was tracking you along. You were going nicely. And then with, I don't know, I could, then you can see people on the map as well. You can press map and you can see where they are. And I could see you were two miles from the finish. I'm like, okay, this won't take long now. <laughs> <laughs> and it won't, like at one point your predicted time was about 3.30 or 3.35. I think this is great. And, but those last few miles were taking a long time. Like enough time that I could go to sleep and wake up again and you were still going. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Yeah, yeah. You went, you asked me, why did this happen? Like, why do you think it happened? That's my question. I'll tell you my theory. Why do you think it happened? Uh, Well, one thing I would think just from listening to you today and everything is that when you run a marathon, it's more than just a marathon. Like, and I saw you running along and your arms are going flailing in the air and you're (laughs) all excited and you're trying to G up the crowd and. You're recording on your phone or your watch. Is it we using your watch? On the watch yeah. yeah. And just all those little things I think can pull you away from what you're actually trying to do. And the marathon is such a single focus activity. And I know this from running, from training, 
Like if I'm training and running, I can't talk to people very much because, and it, you know, from all down through the years, I mean, even now, you know, running at a slow eight minute mile pace or eight and a half minute mile pace on a Sunday long run, there comes a time when, you know, I can't talk to you anymore now because this is getting hard and I have to focus on, you know, this thing that's actually pretty hard right now. Mm. And just talking is a distraction. So I think. So, you, you're, so probably, you're blaming the podcast. Interesting. <laughs> I think you need to, one time you need to do, you know, the thing is, it's not all about the podcast. Though, of course, like, because, of course. I mean, yeah, it gives you stuff to talk about. It gives, it makes our chat here this morning a bit shorter because we've got all these great people that we can bring in and they all share in the podcast, which is amazing. And it, it, it's great content, of yeah. course. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you want to run a marathon and, you know, get through it easy, easier. And I mean, you got away with it in London for sure. I think sometimes you have to attempt such a physical challenge with the blinkers on and, you know, not be distracted by all these people on the sidelines. And I mean, I definitely would have experienced this because people would recognize me and shout and yell, but I can't react back to all the reaction that's coming in. I have to take all the energy in. But I can't give anything back while I'm out there running if I want to get to the finish line, you know, in feeling pretty good. So, so true. I probably did so wave and I've wink at one too many people while I was out there. Go I'm ahead. interested to see what Vinny says about that. And, you know, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. I mean, you've got to weigh this up because this is part of you out there running the marathon is to, you know, engage with all the people out there. Hmm. But depending on what you're trying to achieve, do you have to decide, okay, next time I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to do, it's like I'm going to do all the talking before and after, but not during. During, it's like I'm in maths. I can't talk here now for yeah. three or four hours because I'm listening and I'm taking it all in and I'm taking all the energy, but I'm not giving any energy beyond running. Well, Vinny is going to join us uh, shortly. I'm going to pop over to his surgery or his clinic for a little rub down. And then we're going to hear from David Gillick, who kind of had the opposite experience uh, to me. He was targeting sub three and happy to say he achieved it. If it's any uh, if it's worth anything, Sonia, I think that you've you've definitely on to something there that in the there's in the moment and the small, the micro level of what you're saying is correct. But I think in the wider sense, I've been stretched a, a long, long way probably further than I've ever been stretched. It's been a wild 2023, the second marathon of the year, the second of my life and the first ever like proper stand up tour. All of it has had a wearing down effect and probably the quality of the sleep hasn't been great. And all of these planets aligned to produce this day. It, is it a never again? I don't think so. I never thought that during it. I didn't even think in that moment of it going south, I thought, God, London's going to be great. <laughs> I did think, <laughs> oh, you got to have Rocky fall down for Rocky to be a good movie. And I I'm excited at the, the prospect of what comes next. I'm massively grateful to you, Sonia, for all your help to get me to this point, even the possibility of running two marathons in a year. And uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you guys and hearing your take on this thing. 
Uh, but for now, Sonia, thank you so much for this episode and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. It's been great. But I reckon if you go back and look at your run now and you divide the time out, you said, shit, if I started at 5.30 pace, and this is what I always do with any race I do, it doesn't matter what the distance is. When you finish slower than you started, you think, I could have done this so much easier. Yeah. If I started, <laughs> I could have got the same result. Yeah. With much, with much less head, heartache. Much less heartache. Yeah. And um, I was reading a book over the weekend and it's called The Best Sports Stories of the Year. And I, don't, I rarely read these books. Um, in fact, I never read these books <laughs> at the moment. I, and it's just all a, a bunch of um, stories. But the one, it was a different sport that maybe you can consider um, for the next week or so anyway, when you're out there for a walk with Tina, if you get mm. a nice day, is skimming stones at the sea. And it's actually a competition. And it's a sport. Yeah. is stone skimming. Um I mean, there's some strange people do it, but um, it's kind of a fun thing to do. So I thought maybe that could be your alternate sport for the week. Is out there just <laughs> I have on. seen the, the stone skimming uh, videos on Instagram, but I didn't know it was an actual championship. I'm going to have to look into that. All right. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely need to fill my time with something. Vinny has advised three weeks off, which is an awful lot of time off running. I'll have to figure out something else. So I'll start with stone, stone skimming and maybe I'll jump up on a bike. I get in the sea at some point. But Sonia, once again, thanks for everything. And uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Okay, recover well. We'll chat soon. Next week on the show, we want to hear your stories. I know that I've gone deep into mine here and we're going to go a little bit deeper over on Patreon with the help of Vinnie Mulvey and David Gillick. Vinnie is going to have a look through what exactly happened. Maybe you had a very similar experience to me of the engine cutting out at 20 miles. Well, Vinny tries to pull apart the threads with me as to what exactly took place. Tra- trajectory to success isn't a straight line. It's very rare that you get anywhere where you think that's success without hardship or disappointment or bumps in the road. Bumps. More than any athletics event or or probably any sport I would say you know the marathon is so unpredictable after that we'll hear from David Gillick who was on the other end of the spectrum who ran the race of his life saw the balloon in the distance and chased it down to break three hours if you want to hear how somebody does that or what changes he made in his training to go from a nightmare last year to this epic performance this year you'll need to come over to Patreon to hear a little bit of this and I can remember at one point literally trying to drop my shoulders and get like you know the arms going again and um, just trying to rally a little bit and then I began to kind of gain and gain on them and then I came into Balls Bridge and Emmett was there and he absolutely balled me out of it like literally <laughs> roared literally stepped onto the road and roared at me and I kind of, I, I looked at him and I almost kind of, I'm trying here, you know, I'm trying. <laughs> like I said, next week, we want to hear your stories. Why not WhatsApp us a voice note or email me irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. I want to hear how it went for you. And maybe Sonia can have some advice to help you go somewhere else with your training from here. Maybe she can help you make sense of what took place on this crazy day. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Why not come over to Patreon, sign up for a fiver a month with no obligation, cancel anytime you like. If you just want to come over to hear the rest of this bumper edition, it's right there.
fiver a month and in return you gain access to hundreds and hundreds of hours of interviews with the greatest Irish people ever to have lived and of course all of these episodes with Sonia O'Sullivan that I think you'll love if you enjoyed this one. Dublin Marathon 2023 is done. Where do we go to next? Tune in next week to find out.